Welcome to Helping Challenging Children. This podcast is for adults who want to understand why children behave the way they do and how to support them to increase their ability to self-regulate and to become more independent. My name is Dr. Pat McGuire. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician and I have been working with these children for over 30 years and I can tell you that with the right support, they all do great. So enjoy these podcasts and hopefully you learn a little bit each time. Greetings. Today I'd like to talk to you about supporting our prematurely born children. I don't know if you realize this, but depending on the studies you read and how old the studies are, the prevalence of premature deliveries in the U.S. is between one in nine and one in 10 of all deliveries. This is worse than the top five countries in the world. According to the World Health Organization, of the 11 countries with preterm birth rates around 15%, all but two are in sub-Saharan Africa. Preterm births account for 11.1% of the world's live births. 60% of them are in South Asia and sub-Saharan Africa. In the poorest countries, on average, 12% of babies are born too soon, compared to 9% in higher income countries. The United States and Brazil both rank among the top 10 countries with the highest number of preterm births. In the United States, for example, as I noted above, between 10 and 12% of all babies are born premature. The 11 countries with the lowest rates of preterm babies are Belarus at 4.1%, Ecuador at 5.1%, Latvia at 5.3%, Finland, Croatia, and Samoa at 5.5%, Lithuania and Estonia at 5.7%, Antigua and Barbuda at 5.8%, and Japan and Sweden at 5.9%. And as I said, we're between 10 and 12%. Wide differences within countries have also been found. In the United States, the preterm birth rate in 2009 for Black Americans was as high as 17.5%, compared with 10.9% for white Americans. The age of the mother makes a significant difference in the prevalence of preterm births. In the U.S., the preterm birth rate for women 20 to 35 was 11 to 12%. It was more than 15% for women under 17 and over 40. So what is considered preterm? Preterm is defined as 37 weeks of completed gestation or less, according to the standard WHO definition. Preterm babies are defined in three categories. Late preterm, born between 32 and 37 weeks, and these account for 84% of total preterm births. Most survive with only supportive care. Very preterm, born between 28 and 32 weeks, These babies require extra supportive care, but most will survive. Extremely preterm, those born before 28 weeks, these babies require the most intensive, expensive care to survive. In developed countries, these babies have a 90% chance of survival, 
though they may suffer lifelong physical, neurologic, and learning disabilities. In low-income countries, only 10% survive. A recent March of Dimes analysis shows that even though the numbers are low, the risk of babies dying that were born between 37 and 39 weeks of gestation is twice as high as full-term babies or at 39 weeks. So what are risk factors for prematurity? Well, there are a number of them, including a prior history of preterm birth, a mother who is underweight, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, smoking, infection, maternal age, as noted before, of either under 17 or over 40, genetics, multifetal pregnancies, such as twins, triplets, and higher, or pregnancies spaced too close together. So why is it important to prolong gestation as long as possible? Well, it's very simple. The last few months are important to develop the fetus's brain, lungs, and liver. Brain for thinking, lungs for oxygen, and liver to handle all that our body puts out. So what are some of the short and long-term consequences of prematurity? Well, approximately one in four extremely preterm infants dies during a hospitalization. In the United States in 2013, 11.4% of infant, infants were born preterm and 0.7% were born before 28 weeks gestation. And this proportion hasn't changed much in the last 20 years. So one of the consequences is called BPD or bronchopulmonary dysplasia. 39% of extremely premature infants of less than 29 weeks will have a BPD when they leave the hospital. Now it's 88% of, of infants born at 22 weeks and 24% of infants born at 28 weeks. Most infants leaving the hospital with prematurity will have uh, three severe morbidities and those are BPD, serious brain injury, and severe retinopathy of prematurity, which is ROP. These are important predictors of interval death or disabilities at five years of age. So a summary of the common and serious comorbidities are respiratory distress syndrome or RDS, bronchopulmonary dysplasia or BPD, patent ductus arteriosus, PDA, infection, necrotizing enterocolitis, retinopathy of prematurity, neurodevelopmental disorders, cognitive impairment, cerebral palsy, and motor movement disorders, and interventricular hemorrhage or periventricular leukomalacia. So what are the motor and academic issues that these preemies may have when they reach school age? Because that's an important question that had not been followed for a long time. And according to the evidence, these are the areas that may re require additional support. Difficulties with mathematics, difficulties with reading, inattention, working memory difficulties, slow processing speed, poor hand-eye coordination, social and emotional problems, sensory impairments, and poor fine and gross motor skills. Now, these children's development is different than children born full term. It is important to understand that preterm children have different developmental mechanisms behind their struggles rather than term-born children. Due to prematurity, there have been problems with the final growth and development of the brain 
in the areas which would normally control these actions. For example, inattention can be linked to poor working memory or visual impairment rather than attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And that's what you think of with a full-term child. It is also worth noting that attainment for these children is often lower by comparison to their peers, and some may never attain the same level of academic achievement as their peers who are born at term. About 80% of very premature children have reading and math deficits. And it's also found that the lower the gestational age at which the baby was born, the higher the risk of reading deficits. The following is a summary of the findings of the April 2020 JAMA Open Network Pediatrics article on academic outcomes of premature babies. They found that educational professionals underappreciate the potential challenges faced by students with preterm birth histories and may be ill-prepared to address their needs. With a growing proportion of preterm births and an increasing emphasis on education in our workforces and economies, it is vital to identify and characterize these academic problems in school-aged children born premature so that targeted interventions can be developed. Dr. Glenn Aylward in 2005 in Society for Developmental Behavioral Peds Journal wrote about outcomes for preemies. And what he found were learning disabilities, borderline to lower average IQ scores, attention deficit hyperactivity disorders, and uh, specific neuropsychological deficits, such as problems with visual motor integration and executive function. He also found added behavioral problems. It is estimated that these high prevalence, low severity dysfunctions occur in as many as 50 to 70% of very low birth weight infants. And it's more, the lower the weight, the worse the problem. More than one half of very low birth weight children will require special education services. 20% or more will need self-contained learning disability placement. And 16 to 20% will repeat at least one grade. Of particular concern is the fact that these high prevalence, low severity dysfunctions typically do not occur in isolation. With children born at very low birth weight and smaller often having several concomitant problems that may work in a synergistic fashion to produce academic problems. This situation is compounded by the fact that the social, ethnic, and educational backgrounds of the mothers and fathers may also influence the prevalence of these disabilities. In addition, while major disabilities are often identified during infancy, high prevalence, low severity dysfunctions only become obvious as the child grows older, such as school age. Moreover, at present, there are no good predictors of these more subtle problems that can be identified during infancy or preschool. Early in infancy, it is extremely difficult to determine whether identified problems are transient and result from continued recovery or catch-up from those negative effects on prematurity or reflect the emergence of a more permanent handicap, such as cerebral palsy. Areas that need to be assessed in comparing preemies to full-term infants have found the following. With overall reading, there are more problems with decoding, which is called a lower order skill, and reading comprehension, which is a higher order skill. Decoding skills are further demarcated into word identification and pseudo word decoding, because the former can be automatic and achieved when a word is recognized, whereas the latter relies on the application of phonetic rules. 
When looking at mathematics, the concern comes with mathematical knowledge, calculations, fluency, and applied problems. Subtests used to assess what the authors have termed mathematical knowledge require the children to perform a range of tasks, including counting, recognizing numerals and math symbols, and arriving at correct answers to simple addition, subtraction, uh, multiplication problems that are often rotely learned and automatically recalled. Calculation differs from knowledge in that children must perform mathematical computations either mentally, which overlaps somewhat with mathematical knowledge, or with paper and pencil. Both mathematical knowledge and calculation skills are fundamental to more complex tasks of math reasoning. Math fluency was assessed with measures that include a time factor and evaluate the child's ability to efficiently recall math facts or, contact or conduct computations. The highest order mathematical skill defined was applied problems, which requires multiple processes, namely that the child readily interprets the problem, identifies a, a suitable math approach to solve it, and accurately arrives at an answer. Children born preterm underperformed relative to those born at term. And this was found in higher order skill reading comprehension, as well as the lower order skills of decoding and word identification. There were significant outliers when it came to pseudo word decoding, making definitive findings unreliable. They did find when these outlying samples were excluded that preterm children scored significantly worse than term born counterparts. Preterm children also had deficits in all the math subskills compared to their term-born peers. The least pronounced deficit was math fluency, but the article noted that it was a small sample size, so generalizations couldn't be made. The studies looking at higher order math skills were more reliable and found children born premature had significant deficits in the higher order subskill of applied problems. These would be skills needed in subjects such as statistics, physics, chemistry, and calculus. Other studies also looked at ADHD risks due to prematurity. And what they found is the more extreme cases had a higher odd ratio of uh, 2.25 when you're talking about very low birth weight compared to extremely low birth weight, which had odd ratios of 4.05. So that would mean that the, the more premature or low the birth weight, the higher the risk of having ADHD. Another area that schools need to look at is prematurity and autism. According to the Cleveland Clinic, the prevalence of, the prevalence of autism is higher in premature infants than in full-term infants. Looking at the United States, the prevalence here is 1.5% overall, but it's 7.1% in infants born at 23 to 27 weeks gestation, which would put that at one in four of those children. A study looked at uh, this also in 2015 and found that premature infants, in their case, less than 32 weeks, were more likely to be socially withdrawal and have autism due to regional disruptions in the white matter, in the right orbital frontal cortex, uh, which is an area involved with social regulation and social cognition. With this knowledge, how can early childhood and K-12 systems provide support to maximize the abilities of these children? Now, people are going to say these elements are in place, but they're not as in place and as, as expansive as I think we need. 
These infants need to all be followed from hospital discharge through K-12 to make sure that deficits are identified as the need for skills become necessary, such as reading and writing. So zero to three early in intervention programs, which is also known as Part C of IDEA, is available in all 50 states, the DC area and Puerto Rico, plus some other affiliated agencies and organizations. These infants need to be monitored by Part C. At three years of age, they need to be transitioned to Part B, which covers ages three through high school graduation. Again, it may be a monitoring until early subtle signs are found. High quality early childhood programs are needed with additional training of staff on how to increase the amount of sensory stimulation and fine motor skill development as possible. In the K-12 setting, these children need to be tagged as having been premature and monitored for signs of more struggles or behavioral issues. Right now, uh, it's not routine that all children are asked if they had been premature or had any uh, early post-delivery issues. If found, there needs to be put into place a 504 plan looking at accommodations and other services which can bring up the needed skills. If that isn't sufficient, then consideration of special education or other sports should be brought up and put in place in a manner to meet their individual needs. There also needs to be an increased focus on social and emotional learning starting in infancy, since these children are known to have issues due to prematurity-driven brain-based deficits. My call to action to you this week is to look at your communities to find out what is already in place, what is fragmented, and how to support efforts to unify and expand programs. This includes looking into how to lower our nation's rate of premature babies, which could be another podcast. Keep in mind, that preemies are different than full-term babies, even though they may appear to catch up in many cases. This is 10% of our population, and we can't afford to let them fall by the wayside.